Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. We knew it was going to happen eventually, but we didn't think it would be this hard. Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh show. For the first time this year, we are not recording on a Victory Monday. And to wrap up everything that happened, to kind of digest all the issues that came out of Thursday night's loss to the Cincinnati Bengals, Joshua Houts, Josh, how was the rest of your weekend? Because after Miami's loss, I lost all my fantasy games. I lost my bets. It was it was just a nice, nice week for the NFL football season. Yeah, when it rains, it pours, right? I mean, I was in the same boat. I'm in so many fantasy leagues, but it seems like I'm just losing week after week. I'm looking at some of my teams thinking, oh, man, this season's already over. But we realized at some point this season, the Dolphins were not going to go undefeated. We would have to come on here and do one of these, you know, gloom shows. But never in my wildest dreams that I think um, you know, the circumstances that we witnessed on Thursday night would be what we'd be coming on here discussing because um the Dolphins lost 27 to 15 to the Bengals, but um, you know, what they lost in this game was so much more than that. And I gotta be honest, man, a lot of this entire game is honestly a blur to me. The Dolphins fell 27 to 15, but to be to be completely honest with you, Josh, I think the game was a lot closer than that. Tua was carted off the field in a stretcher, Josh. He was thrown to the ground by a 400 pound lineman. Uh, he was laying there and Amazon Prime wanted to show it over and over again that he was laying there with the fencing response. And that's something you see someone's hands do um, when someone suffers a traumatic brain injury from strong impact. Uh, Josh, a, a very, very scary scene there uh, in Cincinnati. And to make the whole thing much worse, it's four days after that, you know, Tua came back into the game after what seemed to be a uh, head injury against Buffalo. Obviously, at the time it was ruled a uh, back injury I think they even put ankle in with that but uh this is a pretty pretty big issue that I don't think is going to be going away anytime soon let alone the fact that hey it's good to hear that Tua is up he's walking he flew him with the team uh he's sending out responses on Twitter so hopefully he is feeling all right and that's with before we even start talking about if he'll you know be playing football anytime soon yeah, that's all that really matters. I think that was our first thought right there. I know that I wasn't thinking, when's he going to come back and play football? It was more like, damn, if he did suffer a head injury on Sunday against the Bills, which the league's investigating all that, we from the outside have no idea. And I think that's what was so frustrating about watching this. You know, Tua did go yeah. down. We all saw his head hit the ground on Thursday. I mean, it was brutal. German suplex. I mean, his head smacked off the ground. And then the fencing thing, like you said, I mean, for them to zoom in on that, to continue to show it, it was one of the more brutal scenes that I've seen in football, you know, over the years. And I mean, um, I think it had more to 
to do than just being a Dolphins fan. But uh, again, good news is he flew home with the team. I think they watched what McGruber on the way home. I mean, they joked about <laughs> things like that. So it sounds like he's in good spirits. He will be in the concussion protocol. And, um, you know, we can only guesstimate how long he's going to be there. But we just want, you know, the league to honestly do a thorough investigation, find out who's at fault. I think they already fired someone, the, uh, the independent neurologist or whoever, who kind of let him go back in that game. It's just crazy that, you know, just a few weeks ago, we were talking about, you know, how well he was playing on the field. We thought he looked like he got banged up against Buffalo, came back resiliently. I mean, if he was banged up, Jake, if it was a head injury in that Bills game, I mean, he played pretty damn well when he came back. Let's be honest. I mean, he was connecting on some of those deep balls. But um, again, he might have just been trying to fight through it. And, you know, Mike McDaniel said before, he needs to protect some of these players from themselves. Yeah, so basically it came out that the doctor made, quote-unquote, several mistakes. Nothing was released about what those mistakes were that allowed Tua to come back into the game on Sunday. And Josh, to be completely honest with you, I wasn't ready to, you know, grab the pitchforks or anything. I mean, if I'm sitting there, I never had a conversation with Tua. I have no idea who this person is outside of watching him play football and hoping, you know, he can be the guy. But if the doctor, if the team, if the player, if everyone's going to come out and say it's a back and an ankle injury, I'm probably going to buy it because these people are a lot smarter than I am. And for this to be a big issue, I understand that. And I understand what everyone saw. Uh, but to the fact that it's weird that everything isn't coming out before we're all, you know, up in arms, they say the the doctor, he didn't follow the right guidelines. There were several mistakes. We don't know what those mistakes were. Um, Alan Stills, the NFL's chief medical officer, said this week that Tua had been evaluated for concussion symptoms all week between Sunday and Thursday, which allowed him to come into the game. So that is a whole nother big thing that people are concerned about. And Josh, there's the whole other point that it's also possible that these injuries weren't related. I mean, that was a 400-pound offensive lineman that landed on him on Thursday. And overall, man, the fact we could hear that he's back with the team was the most relieving part. And I think the important part here, and obviously I think we don't have to dive too deep into it. There has to be some changes made, uh, but for everyone to be mad about it, isn't necessarily the best way to move forward. Even if, you know, there have been people who made big mistakes throughout this process. Yeah, you're 100% right. And again, all that matters is that two is in good spirit. Sounds like he's recovering. Um, I think the thing that probably they did, you know, find that he was a little bit that he missed was the gross motor instability. Isn't that what everyone's throwing around? You know, yeah. kind of how he stumbled. I mean, that to me was the scariest thing from that Bills game was, you know, again, it looked like he hit his head. They said it was a back. But then when he got up and stumbled, I mean, you immediately think like his, you know, he's just in La La Land. You know, those birds in the Disney movies are going around his head. But again, who are we to question what the doctor said? I mean, I know everyone during the game wanted to, you know, you know, pretend that they have a medical license and you know that their brain, you know, surges and they know everything that's going on. We don't, right? We can just sit back and, you know, utilize the information that we have. And despite us thinking that he hit his head, everyone with the Miami Dolphins, you know, have continuously said it was a back injury. Tua himself has said it was a back injury. So who are we to question that? I mean, Tua is a man of faith, a guy who's honest all the time. And Mike McDaniel said himself, you know, he would be doing a disservice to himself, be ever in his wildest dreams did not protect the players and put them back in the game. So I don't know when the end's going to come, Jake, out of all this, but we can all agree that, you know, the league needs to be better about these things. I mean, I don't know that Tua should have been back in that game on Sunday against the uh, Bills. But again, who are we to question the doctors that are on scene? crazy to think man that bill's game was just eight days ago just eight days ago and it's crazy how things um, are quickly changing here uh tua is going to be interviewed about the whole thing uh he said he's grateful for the support and the care from the team which i think is important in itself and josh i think too it's important when we look at what's happening here i think we need to look at the results from sunday and thursday uh both separately 
along with together because I do think that no matter what happened on Sunday, Thursday was a very tough situation. I don't think that would have been any different. I don't, I'm not smart enough to talk about this. Sorry, Josh. Yeah, Jake, I think you're right, man. I mean, we're not brain doctors. You know, we can't sit here and say what it, a hit to the head on a Sunday and then Thursday could do to him. But um, absolutely, no matter what happened on Sunday, whether it was back, what, whatever it was, I mean, that was a vicious hit he took on Thursday. And I don't know, man. I think that he should have been penalized. I think the, you know how we are with names, Tapo, Tapupu, whatever his name was, you know, the way he hit, you know, slammed to his head to the ground. Should that not have been a penalty? I mean, it looked to me like two was defenseless and he spiked his head against the ground. I mean, that sack, there was clearly intent to do damage to Tua. Obviously not to that degree, but that looked like a dirty hit, at least in my opinion. I think that's what you're getting into a tough situation when you're comparing like a 400 pound lineman to, uh, you know, a quote unquote undersized quarterback at six one. Right. And especially when you're going that fast, I won't go t- too far to say that it was dirty. Obviously, it's a hard situation. to they be did, in. They did call a penalty that Josh Allen hit yesterday. I think maybe I'm going based off that. I mean, when you compare those two, that was what rough in the passer and he looked like he gave him barely a hug. I mean, even if you go back to the one against the Bills, the fact they called that one, I mean, he was, he was, he pushed to it, right? It, you know, he fell bad. He fell backwards and it ended up being a worst case, but it's not like he hit them hard. So I don't know, man. It just seems like a tough situation where fast pace, I don't know if that you can really call a flag on all those things. However, it would have been helpful to the Miami Dolphins on offense as they struggled to get anything going against the Bengals after Tua left the game. Josh, before we get into some good and the bad with the game here, I just want to talk about uh, what you thought about Amazon Prime, Amazon Video. Uh, first thing that stuck out to me, they, they could not, for the lives of them, stop zooming in on the injury and playing it over and over. And it was just Al Michaels saying the same thing over and over. There was no sort of insight. There was nothing to kind of describe a situation. It was just really uncomfortable to be a part of, at least for that little while. I think we all understand how gruesome and intense football is. And um, I don't know if that really helps anyone in the audience to kind of keep replaying that over and over and over again. Yeah, I think even when the sack happened, I said I wasn't even going to tweet out an image of it. I mean, you saw it once, you saw it twice, you know, okay, maybe, but I don't know why they kept replaying it. As far as the overall presentation, though, I mean, I was sitting there and I watched the Prime Vision. I don't know if you saw that there were three different. Yeah, what was that? I, didn't, that was I did basically, not know. I mean, did you see some of the videos I was posting? I mean, they were like highlighting players pre-snap, showing, you know, their routes that they were running and, and different things, you know, full speed, tracking where they were on the field. I mean, all 22 angles. It was awesome. So I was saying that they were to some reason acquire Sunday ticket and do that for every, you know, if I could watch that for every Dolphins game, dude, I'd pay extra money. So I absolutely loved it. If you did not give Prime Vision a chance, you know, maybe next week, Thursday night game, I don't even know who's playing, but check it out, man. Give it a chance because it was definitely a game changer as far as, you know, being able to see things, all 22 players. And again, just the way they tracked them around the field was pretty awesome. So I had no issue with it, but I do understand that people that, you know, during the broadcast, the the regular TV broadcast, it was pretty, um you know, you mentioned there were, fans whose hands were up in the air you know some of the audio was off I mean and that injury just continuously showing it I mean that just that's just bad business I don't know why you would do that Jake man it sounds like you made the right choice though I mean the regular broadcast I, I saw, saw people tweeting graphics. about it so that's the only reason I even knew it existed so maybe that's I should have said something my bad Huh, that's that's interesting though. I like that. I mean, because there were even plays where you'd see the announcers up until like two seconds before the ball was snapped. And I mean, you're sitting here talking about the they tracking speed pre-snap. I mean, hell, I just would have liked to see the pre-snap. Don't even need the speed, you know what I mean? So it's just one of those things. I feel like they tried to overdo it by showing the announcers too much. Where hey, I just want to see this pre-snap motion. I want to see where Tyree kills running to. And Josh, to kind of have that segue that was one of the good notes about this game I think Tyree Kill he played a good game I mean he came up just short of a touchdown on a um tip drill from Teddy Bridgewater we'll call it so uh Josh 
let's run through here a couple of the positive notes you saw. What do you like out of Tyree Kill as someone who you know cuts every clip, and you can find them all on YouTube at H O U T Z Hubs. Yeah, well, again, I've been slacking big time. This game kind of, again, was a blur, and I just kind of, you know, we just wanted to take a couple days to get get our marbles back together. But, man, Tyreek Hill, you continuously see that he's just a playmaker, man. The pass from Tua, I know a lot of people were, you know, bashing him. I think Tua was more late than he was underthrown on that pass. I mean, he did have an opportunity to throw it, kind of pumped, and, you know, that one was kind of just a duck that was left up to be picked. But the one from Teddy, man, I mean, that was like, I think someone said, I can't remember who tweeted it out. I do know that I quote tweeted it, Dave. The, maybe the Miami Herald beat writer. I think he said, you know, that was the longest throw from any quarterback this year from Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, I think it was 61 yards to uh, Tyreek wow. Hill. And again, I mean, Tyreek Hill did have to slow down, but that, I mean, that was a pretty damn good ball. I think it hit him in the chest first, bounced up in the air. That was a big play, but you continuously see how the Dolphins, you know, they made this trade for Tyreek Hill. I guess one of the things we wondered at the time was you're adding him to this receiving core that now had, you know, Cedric Wilson, who was healthy, you know, Jalen Waddle coming up. We thought Mike Kosicki might get more involved. Were they going to be able to feed Tyreek Hill? I mean, I think the early on, the answer is 100% yes. I mean, you see the confidence that Tua has in him, the confidence that Teddy obviously has in him. And, um, you know, you're just starting to see this offense open up and to see Tyreek Hill get more opportunities. And I just love to see it because, you know, again, if they come down, they start to cover Tyreek Hill, that would just open things up for Jalen Waddle. I think the defense has to pick their poison. And again, Tyreek Hill had a monster day, 10 receptions, 160 yards. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Yeah, and two, I think we're starting to see how the Dolphins might not be able to get both Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill involved each and every week. You think about the fact, Josh, you just mentioned it, 10 receptions. That's a lot of volume for this offense, and it's not going to be that Baltimore game every week where they both have, what, 180 yards and two touchdowns. So I'm going to be interested to see how the offense can kind of sustain itself if there are going to be weeks where, you know, I think Jalen Waddle had four catches uh Man, I, I should have this up, but I know he didn't really, his yardage wasn't really up there. Uh, so for me, man, I'm interested. Obviously, it's one thing if you have Teddy Bridgewater in there, but are there going to be weeks like this throughout the entire year where it's, hey, pick your poison with Waddle and Hill, or are we going to see that maximized offense, that potent offense, where we can get both of them engaged each and every week? And obviously, I think that has more to do with the fact that there's just one ball compared to, you know, the play calling or their talent even. Yeah, and I mean, that's just what's going to be a toss-up every week. I do love that. I think they're both still. Are they top five still, both of them in receiving? I mean, what the Dolphin offense has done over the first four weeks has been impressive. And, Jake, we are coming on here talking about how, you know, gloom things are. I think the Dolphins are still the number one seed in the AFC, you know, if the season yep. ended today. So, Crazy, um, you know, right? we're three and one, you know, we're still uncertain on what. Thought. Yeah, who would have thought? I mean, especially with that start. I mean, so we're all sitting here coming on here. You know, we do feel down and out a little bit. I mean, that loss definitely feels more significant, obviously, with Tua's thing. But the Dolphins were in this, man. I thought that they could have maybe even somehow still pulled this off with Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, mm -hmm. um, he didn't look good by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I think we can all admit that uh, what we saw the week prior, I think you, me, Merrick, you know, we were like, this dude looked disinterested. He looked like he wanted to play football this week. You know, he was yep. 
making some plays. I do, you do have to throw out, you know, what this did to him. I mean, I don't want to say poor Teddy Bridgewater, but he's had experience being carted off the field. He said at the end of the game, you know, just he felt, you know, so down and out, but he just realized that he had all these guys depending on him and he had to rise to the occasion. So maybe we even see more out of Teddy Bridgewater, you know, if he does have that entire week to prepare. So, um, Jake, I'm sitting here spiraling out of control about Teddy Bridgewater. I want to get your thoughts on the Dolphins settling for field goals. I mean, there was a Chase Edmonds drop earlier on when two was in the game. Who, that besides tough, from that yeah. interception that we mentioned, Tua looked pretty good. I mean, that one throw to Gesicki that he had that I tweeted out, I think his back was against his own end zone. I mean, he moved around the pocket and threw a absolute dime piece where only Gesicki could get it away from the defender. So, I mean, this offense, man, looked pretty good. Um, Tua looked pretty good before that hit, but tell me what you saw to Teddy Bridgewater in this offense, you know, after that, because I think the Dolphins then went downfield and Teddy hit, was it Chase Edmonds for that little shovel pass? I mean, that was kind of pretty early on. The timing on that was awesome because you heard the Jaws music. There was a defender right on his you did. He was able to get it. He was able to get it, get it away just quick enough. Um, yeah, it's nice when your backup comes in and things don't absolutely spiral out of control. Obviously, I think the, there was a back-breaking interception right at the end there. Um, but overall, man, I you still just really enjoy what this offense brings to the table. And just the way Tua operates makes it that much more interesting. Uh, but to kind of build off that a little bit, Mike Gesicki was Miami's second greatest uh, pass blocker this week. Zero pressures allowed. And Josh and general this is even kind of sad to say the offense only allowed one sack this week to the Bengals uh Liam Eichenberg Greg Little have continued to struggle but overall man that unit has continued to be impressive I do want to ask you Josh when we talk about you know Miami's rushing attack do, do you think we're maybe getting catfished a little bit because every time I see them run the ball I'm like you know this looks kind of good you know then you look at the stats and it's like, man, three yards per carry, 2.8 yards per carry. What is this? Like, like, are we not really seeing what's happening here? Uh, but then on Thursday night, the rushing attack worked a little bit better. Uh, Mostert ran the ball 15 times for 69 yards. I think he actually had a couple big runs on that final drive there. But overall, we're still yet to see that unit really put it together and maybe control a drive or two just straight up on the ground. Yeah, I think that's what we all kind of assumed. I know I did. I talked time and time again about how San Francisco just plugged and played, you know, running backs, and now they had all the success. And we've really yet to truly see it. I like how you put Liam Eikenberg and Greg Little have been those weak spots because there were a couple reps where I was watching L22 and Greg Little was just picking his ass up off the ground. I mean, it was uh, he was getting pancaked throughout that game, you know. But again, they only get up one sack. I mean, it's still better than what we've been accustomed to, which yeah. um, I guess isn't saying much. I think at this point, though, we have to say it's starting to become the Raheem Mostert show, that running back unit, right? I I mean, I did not start Edmonds again. He did have that touchdown I again, did. perfectly executed. So we're just going to keep going with that. Cause if he's going to score every time when I don't start him and you do, I mean, I'm, I'd rather see the Dolphins have <laughs> success. Sacrifice. Yeah. Sacrifices are being made, but um, you're starting to see Mostert speed and how the Dolphins like to utilize that. I mean, there's still a role for Chase Edmonds. They're still kind of splitting this thing, oh, for sure. you know, almost that pizza right down the middle, but um, Mostert's definitely starting to become that, you know, consistent back and and you saw it in this game i mean we mentioned you how you want to see this running unit take over but we saw late in the game Mostert making some big runs and you know at least getting the dolphins back downfield and keeping them alive into this i guess the thing i love to see is just again the scheme on offense that's kind of what i was getting at with the two you know he was playing well went down teddy came in as well you know the system the scheme it allows you know a guy like teddy to just come in there and I don't want to say there was there's definitely a drop off. I mean, let's not even make it no mistake about that. Right. I mean, I think at the beginning of the yeah. year, we joked that Madden had two and Teddy raid the same. There is no same Madden rating here. I mean, two is significantly better, but I think with a whole, you know, what, nine days to prepare. I mean, I would be interested to see the way this offense looks with Teddy Bridgewater under center 
going into that Jets game, but uh, hope to God, you know, maybe Tua can come back in time for that. I just don't know if that's even humanly possible. That's a great note you make about the fact if you give them nine days, you know, you don't not only are you on a four day schedule, but you're also preparing with Tua taking those snaps. I'm interested to see um, if Teddy can just kind of hold the ship, Josh, because, you know, I, I, too, would love, you know, somehow he comes back. I think everything, every test Tua has taken so far has looked good. Everything's been clear. I think he's still in concussion protocol. Uh, but I mean, Bridgewater for a couple weeks, you consider that I think it's the Jets and a couple easier ones i mean if there's going to be any time to do this and to continue to hedge the bed and kind of spin zone this if you're going to lose one of those games josh where it's you know oh if we could only have that one back i think you'd take it on the road thursday night in cincinnati i mentioned it a couple times this 27 to 15 score josh the dolphins were actually up to begin the fourth quarter they're outscored i think it was 13 to nothing in the fourth Games like this are going to happen. Obviously, you're not going to go 17-0. and And this is the type of situation where if you're going to lose a game, if your cards aren't going to, you know, really be that great, it's going to be on the road on Thursday night, I'd, I'd assume. Yeah, and let's be honest. I mean, we weren't sitting here making excuses per se, but, I mean, heading into that game after the defense played 90 snaps, after, you know, Tua went out of that game, came back. You saw that we said yeah. trap, baby. Yeah, yeah, we thought this was going to be one of those games that was going to be more difficult. And, again, the Bengals, I think they are playing – we're playing much worse than they've shown. But um, you mentioned their schedule, Jake. They got the Jets this Sunday. Then they play the Vikings, the Steelers, and the Lions. So, I mean, those are some – I don't want to say winnable games with Teddy Bridgewater at the helm, but, if I mean, you give him the right preparation, again, with all these weapons, a Mike McDaniel system, you know, this defense. I mean, let's just talk about this defense. They played 90 snaps on Sunday, came back in this game, and they weren't great. You know, Xavier Howard went out, gave up that big play to, to T. Higgins, but they bend and they didn't break. I mean, they had a huge fourth down stop. I think Eric Rowe shot into the backfield on that one. I think mm-hmm. there was a goal line stand um, where you saw Landon Roberts shoot out of a cannon. Andrew Van Ginkle got involved a little bit this week. Christian Wilkins, man, I'm just waiting for the Dolphins to eventually pay him, right? I mean, you <laughs> have to right? pay. He needs a new deal, but um, a spot out of control there because I want to make sure the defense got their credit because despite, you know, the secondary kind of unraveling, I mean, w- once Xavier Howard went out of that game, I mean, then I started to say, oh, man, like, I don't know if there's any way the Dolphins can come back into this, but Darth yeah, right. Cater, you know, kind of held it down a little bit. I joked that Keon Crossing got burnt by Jamar Chase, but why the Dolphins would even have those two, you know, matched up one-on-one, I, I don't know, but um, hopefully with this defense, you know, you get a healthy Byron Jones back, Xavier Howard nursed up those two quads or whatever it was, his hammy, get them healthy. Hopefully, you know, Teddy can keep us on track, you know, win some of these games coming up. And then we get two back healthy, completely clear to concussion protocol, the league investigation. And we're right back on track, man. I still can't believe we're three and one after looking at those first four games and just thinking, you know, heading into the year. Oh, shit. I just hope we're two and two. Yeah, Christian Wilkins, Jan Phillips, Jerome Baker led the Dolphins in team grade. Josh, it's kind of a hard gauge when you're playing on defense. Two things before I want to ask you about. Three things, actually, before we wrap up. First, um, Nick Needham actually wasn't a starter on us Thursday night, but he did play pretty well. Does that concern you at all? Are you you worried about that? Is Darth Cater taking over, or do you think this is continuing to be, um, as we heard them mention in the past, like it's like relief pitchers. You're just going to play whichever one has the hot hand on any given, you know, week or or any night. Yeah, I think it's probably more so that. I bet Darth Cater, he came into that game against Buffalo, right? Or when did he supplant Nick Needham? I'm sorry, I'm getting my games confused. Was that? I think it was in the middle of the Buffalo game. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, and then at that point, you know, he probably had a good practice. They probably thought, okay, we saw the dog in your eyes. You know, you wanted to go in there. But then that also makes Nick Needham try harder, right? I mean, that makes him, you know, elevate his game and try to surpass and, you know, supplant him and get back out there. So, I think it's iron sharpens iron. 
Josh, talk about riding that hot hand, talking about how what we hear from Mike McDaniel and how it's all presented. Byron Jones, is it going to be something sooner rather than later, considering that he can now come off the pup list? Or, hey, we still haven't heard a lot. Is this still going to last a little longer than we might think? I'm hoping. I think he was working out pregame. Someone posted Josh Moser, I think, on Twitter had him out there running before game against the Bengals. So, dude, we need Byron Jones back, especially with Xavier Howard banged up, still trying to figure out that number two spot. Please get Byron Jones out there. I mean, him coming back into that secondary would just help that offense, uh, that defensive line who, I don't, did they get a sack on Thursday? I think they struggled to sack the Bengals. You know, I, think Joe got, I think Phillips got one. If I okay, so they got, you're, you're right, Jalen Phillips. Jalen Phillips got the one sack, Jake. So they did have a sack, but uh, that was a Cincinnati defense uh, offensive line who was just, you know, waiting to give up big plays and the Dolphins were unable to get to Joe Burrow. And last, Josh, you just spoke about him a little bit. Xavier Howard, he left the game with two sore legs. He struggled when he was on the field. David Canner, Josh, nobody's talking about this. I thought this was such an interesting tweet on Twitter. He said, I think he was responding to Florio pro football talk and said someone should mention he was playing T Higgins against the corner with two severely hurt groin muscles. But hey, headline sell. Josh, are you concerned about two severely hurt groin muscles for Xavier Howard? I think you actually see some plays where he'd dive to the ground, he'd come up, and he'd be grabbing for his uh, lower half. Just you, you could see he was in pain and dealing with quote unquote two severely hurt groin muscles. Yeah, that's his agent, right? Saying that. I mean, yep. I, and I mean, I guess it makes sense. You played ninety snaps on Sunday. You came back into this game, but I would, I'm definitely, I would be concerned. Yes, I mean, I think we went back to that Rashad Bateman game. He had a monster game uh, back when they played Baltimore. I mean, it just seems like Xavier Howard has been, you know, giving up some big plays that we haven't really seen in the past. So maybe there is more to these these groin muscles, these injuries that he's suffering. But um, all we need is that rest, right? Nine days. Get Byron Jones back out there. Um, let's see what we can do against the Jets. That's what I say. But I'm a little bit concerned because without Xavier Howard, that defense is much, much different. Dude, you're 100% right overall, man, though. I think it's important to keep in mind it's one game. It's very early in the season. Still, injuries are going to happen. Nobody, I don't think anymore, plays all 17 games. Obviously, no matter what rest schedule you try to do, the injuries are going to happen. And all things considered, man, I hope everything continues to be going all right with Tua. It's kind of crazy to even be talking about this, to even say this. I mean, after what we saw on Thursday, but him returning sooner than later, especially if we consider to hear that everything is still positive, isn't out of the realm of possibilities. And and I think three and one, you got to be happy. Um, all things considered with, you know, Tua's health, hopefully he'll be back soon. And just overall, man, this looks like a team that's going to be fighting, may I say, into January? February, you can say into February. Uh, Ooh. You mentioned Tua, Jake. Tua has the highest passer rating in the AFC with a 109.9. So, yes, even after injury, he's still playing lights out. And, I mean, they can take as much time as they need to with him. I, I would rather them be extra careful 100%. with this. 100%. Absolutely. But when he's ready, once he passes that, I mean, at that point, we just want to get him back out there and continue where we left off because this offense was as hot as ever. And it just sucks that it had to end this way because of, you know, that vicious, vicious hit that Amazon Prime would not stop showing. That is all the time we have for now, at least. We are going to continue to digest this game against the Cincinnati Bengals on Thursday as we bring back our fake doctor, Mayor Braves. So be sure to look out for that as we get ready, man. It is time the one week that makes everybody happy because you know what it's going to be it's jets week the dolphins are going to metlife stadium it is the metlife takeover so josh this is a very fun week for dolphin fans we're excited for this game and uh 
hopefully to get back on track and uh, start another winning streak. Yeah, massive day. I think it's the most that uh, Dolphins New York has ever sold. So it is going to be a massive MetLife takeover. If you can get to that game, I think they still have tickets. So uh, Dolphins, Jets, I think they got Zach Wilson back. Massive game. But guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of SB Nation's Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show. Like Jake said, we will be back later this week with our good pal Merrick Brave. Until then, follow Jake on Twitter at J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. I'm at Haups for SB Nation's The Jake and Josh Show. We'll talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. We're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami.